You're listening to Youth and Loud. The show that's the show that's quiet about the trivial things, but loud about the important things. We discuss all issues relevant to youth. If you'd like to find out more about the show or have a topic idea, check us out on Facebook and give us a shout by searching Youth and Loud. On this episode, we interview Troy, who is the manager of Mission Australia Social Enterprise Programs in Melbourne. Troy talks about how two of these social enterprises, Charcoal Lane and Synergy Auto Repairs, supports young people. Troy also talks about the prevalence of youth homelessness in Victoria, what homelessness is like for young people, and how the Australian community can support young people who are or at risk of homelessness. I guess just to to kick us off, do you mind just talking a little bit about yourself and what your life looks like at the moment? Yeah, sure. So my name's Troy Crowland. I'm the manager of social enterprise programs for Mission Australia. Uh, That includes, here in Victoria, that includes... uh, Charcoal Lane, which is a restaurant that works with um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people, uh, engaging in employment in a restaurant setting. Um, So we employ about 30 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people through here per year in a restaurant that works with food from this land. Um, So it's kind of connecting young people to culture through food. Obviously, food and culture play a big role alongside one another across the world. we're learning about the food from this land, so uh, what better way to connect young people to culture through a food environment? We're also addressing labour force exclusion that exists for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people through this program as well. And young people are uh, undertaking a certificate to traineeship. The other social enterprise I work with is uh, Synergy Auto Repairs, which is a program that works with young offenders that have been involved in vehicle theft. We get them to use their dismantling skills for good instead of evil in a paper panel setting. Uh, so they work in a paper panel shop and yeah, effectively we're harnessing their passion and interest for cars uh, and really moving towards a career pathway. You know, I guess when stealing a car is a good option for you, things aren't going very well. Um, so homelessness uh, really goes alongside a lot of young people that we're working with through um, the youth justice system through our program. And, uh, yeah, both programs work on that kind of concept of uh, bringing yourself up and creating your own opportunities towards uh, sustainable housing and uh, sustainable options as well. So, Troy, how how prevalent, I guess, is it for um, a young person to be homeless or to be um, at risk of homelessness in Victoria and even uh, Australia um, today? Yeah, look, I think uh, it's very prevalent. So I would say nine out of ten of our last intake from Charcoal Lane were experiencing uh, or had experienced homelessness uh, in their life. Um, I think, you know, realistically, it's uh, um, it's an issue that is such in some people's young lives that they're not even aware that they're experiencing homelessness. So couch surfing becomes a norm. You know, often sleeping at other people's houses to remove themselves from domestic violence situations or difficult situations at home. You know, young people 
you know, coming into it or, or overcrowding in their household, not having their own room. Um, these are common issues that we that we find um, that we would uh, say are issues of homelessness that young people see as a bit of a norm until they actually come into our environment. What do you think is some of the the causes, or what are some of the factors that might lead young people to become homeless? Uh, it's, it's different for everybody. Um, you know, I guess I'll, I'll speak to uh, young people out of the justice system uh, first. Like, I guess that's that's my knowledge with the synergy program. So, to give you a bit of an idea about what young people are experiencing, a lot of young people that come into our environment are experiencing like growing up with child protection in their life, so not really a stable home. Um, so many young people kind of moving from residential care environments to to other environments, but um, yeah, you know, not, not having that kind of connection, strong connection to family is, is a factor. And also, obviously, cost of living is a major factor as well, like overcrowding in households is, is quite common. You know, two-bedroom households that have six adults and kids, you know, is, is something that's quite common that I see. I don't know if you've ever gone away with your friends before, Peter, but, you know, I love my mates, but the reality is that after about three days of living with them, you want to go home. <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of different dynamics and a lot of different adults in an environment. Mm. Um, and the more adults in an environment, the more dynamics there are, and, you know, the more that people want to, find their own space to get away and yeah. sometimes that can lead to homelessness as well uh, or wanting to remove yourself from that environment so you know safe spaces is, is a big part of what we're kind of about um, you know a safe space for a young person to go to if, if I look at the Australian Home Report by, from our youth survey Commission Australia they talk about um, one in six young people living in Victoria responded to our survey uh, as having experienced homelessness. So uh, I don't, uh, that says to me that it goes beyond just young people in the justice system and young people from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander backgrounds. You know, but the, I think the major factors are that, that feeling of safety, that feeling of independence and having a voice and being able to be heard. They're, they're major factors for young people, mm. which kind of like goes along the lines of, I guess, what would help to kind of reduce homelessness so you know if i think about here uh in victoria for you know i've got a couple of statistics here for you which i thought you might like uh, yeah sure to hear. Go, go so for it. young people in the justice system there's 55 transitional properties across victoria for young people out of the justice system and there's one funded property with three beds and they're all for male there's zero options for females out of the justice system you know, young people that are experiencing the type of trauma that is making them homeless aren't really actively engaging in assertive outreach. That means that they're not actively seeking, you know, somewhere to stay. Um, they're not actively seeking supports for the issues that they're experiencing. For many of the young people I'm talking about, there's a myriad of issues that they're dealing with, whether it's drug and alcohol issues, uh, family violence. A lot of these type of issues come alongside homelessness. So when you're experiencing so many dynamics at once, it's very hard to get a plan together to go, oh, this is how I'm going to deal with my homelessness issue. Mm. I'm going to go to this service 
and I'm going to fill out these forms and then, you know, everything will solve itself. So, yeah. you know, in a lot of cases, young people I meet, it's really our role to help to support them through a process towards housing. You know, no one gives anyone the instruction booklet of how to get a house, you know. Like you're not handed that as a young person. Mm. And I think that, uh, and how to maintain a house. So you know, I think it's our role as adults who have experienced what it's like to move out before and what it's like to live independently. It's our role to support young people through that process. You know, most recently I had a conversation with a young person two days ago about how to wash their clothes. Mm. You know, they, um, <laughs> you know, and, and they were grateful for that conversation, but it's just, these are skills that aren't taught at school. Um, mm. You know, and, and living independently and living alone and a lot of young people are experiencing that through COVID at the moment, isolation. It, there's, there's, it's an art form. You know, you need to learn those skills of how to live independently, mm. how to live alone, yeah. you know, as well. So so I think a big part of it is that, that mentorship and guidance from, from, you know, your peers, but also adults as, as well. You know, just that kind of recognising that we've all kind of been there before mm. um, and remembering that. You know, like I think that's a really important thing to remember that we've all been young and we've all had to experience that transition. Some of us have had an easy road to that and some of us haven't, but I think we need to recognise that uh, and put that care into one another, like to support one another, to, mm. uh, you know, to understand how living independently works. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the big issues I find is like just some of the terms that our housing sector has, uh, like transitional housing, what is that, you know, for a 16 year old, what does that mean? Mm. Transitional housing, that sounds like a house that's on wheels, <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, but I, I know what that means. Like, so I'm able to articulate that and explain that to a young person mm. and, and make that an option that they may want to look at. But I think, uh, you know, we have these big terms that we kind of use to describe things and it might make us feel good, but it doesn't really make any sense to a young person. Yeah. Would you say, Troy, that that's um, one of the main things that Mission Stray tries to do and what you try and do with Synergy Auto Repairs and Charcoal Lane is to help young people who may have experienced homelessness um, establish a sense of independency? and to help them um, be able to, for lack of a better word, stand on their own two feet and to live independently, to have a home, to be able to have a job and I guess to, to move forward in life. Yeah, absolutely. That is, um, yeah, certainly our social enterprise programs, that's really the key focus. You know, we work off a mindset that uh, the best person to solve their circumstances is the person experiencing them uh, because that person has run over through their head a million times what they want, you know, uh, and, you know, it's our role to really help them achieve that. So, yeah, you're absolutely spot on. I think that's kind of really what we exist for uh, as social enterprises. As Mission Australia, our, our role is also in advocacy uh, and speaking to government, which is why we release reports like the Staying Home Report and the most recently Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander report um, is to provide uh, a lens on what is happening for young people, but also to provide recommendations on what should be done mm. to support young people. So here's, 
questions on how we can kind of solve those problems. So, yeah. you know, and, and the luxury I have in my environment is that when a young person walks in the door and wants to start making a change for themselves through work, you know, you've got them for 38 hours a week to kind of work on the other things as well, you know, mm-hmm. so um, in that environment, it kind of helps um, when you've got that time to build that rapport and, um, mm-hmm. and, and develop that kind of pathway towards things that people, everyone deserves, you know, everyone deserves an opportunity to mm. go home on a Friday night and close the curtains and turn up the music, you know, <laughs> and uh, do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Um, everyone deserves that right. So, you know, I think it's about providing the opportunity for that right. Yeah. What do you think some of the things might need to uh, change at a society level and at a governmental um, level? What things do you think need to change or what can be improved when it comes to uh, supporting young people who are homeless? Yeah, I, I'd go back to some of the recommendations of our state home report. I mean, developing a national homelessness plan, the special focus on youth, you know, was, is one of the recommendations out of our report. And I think that makes sense. Um, you know, like we need to address in this country, for, we need leadership uh, at the top level of government and corporate uh, not just government, but corporate responsibility around the prevention of homelessness relating to domestic violence, family violence, uh, and family conflict. So, you know, these things need to be stamped out in the workplace. They need to be talked about at government level. They need to be, you know, in the media. There needs to be a conversation about the impacts of family violence on young people's ability to be able to live at home. You know, I, I think back, probably 15 years ago, uh, I was working with a young lady who her safest place was her school. You know, she would often leave her house before anyone else would get up and, uh, and sleep outside the school at five o'clock in the morning through winter, waiting for a teacher to come in to let her in around seven, eight o'clock in the morning. You know, like this is, that's 15 years ago. That's a common story today. You know, young people who I engage with through, certainly through the synergy program, and also Charcoal Lane, there's young people who have lost their housing before they've disconnected from school. And I think anyone that still wants to go to school when they don't have a house, you've got to admire uh, what they're trying to achieve there. So, mm. you know, these young people need to be lauded rather than demonised. They need to be recognised for what they are achieving, not what they're not achieving. By our circumstances uh, are beyond any of our controls. Um, you know, and, you know I, I, I get to see a lot of young people that are trying to make a big difference and, and, I, and I think changing that language is a big part of it as well like when I hear that youth unemployment is uh, skyrocketing uh, and that's backed up by a comment of some young people don't want to work I think that's garbage you know like I've got young people that are busting down our door and coming to work mm. um, you know let's actually deal with the fact that youth unemployment is skyrocketing let's not come up with an excuse let's actually do something about it so yeah um, so I think you know a special focus on young people needs to be uh, put into a national homelessness plan like we need to talk about domestic violence from a, from a corporate responsibility and from a governmental responsibility and more than anything else like it's a big conversation that's in there at the moment we need to ensure social security payments are adequate you know so young people don't experience homelessness like you know Prior to COVID, prior to our lockdown, um, I think there was reports out there on uh, what people could, where people could afford to live 
on the $260 a week that Centrelink was providing through Youth Allowance. Uh, sorry, $206 a fortnight that Centrelink was providing through Youth Allowance. And I think there was one property in the country that someone could maintain on that rate of pay. You know, so we, we need to lift the rate of welfare in this country. Mm. Uh, we've done that through COVID, um, through the uh, job seeker payments, but we can't reduce those payments. They, you know, what we've seen from the increase of job seeker payments is a reduction in malnutrition. Malnutrition exists in a country like Australia. How does that work? You know what I mean? Like we're mm. an affluent country. Yeah. You know, we have we have money, like, but yet we have people that don't have access to food. You know, homelessness comes with many, you know, there's many other things that are attached to a person being homeless. Homeless and uh, you know, mental health is another one that I don't think that I mentioned before. You know, like, um, so, you know, it, it's kind of something that we need to address as a country. So, mm. you know, and, and when it comes to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, I think, you know, in our uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander youth report, we did mention that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people should have influence over policy that affects them, um, mm. you know, and I think that's kind of a, a big part in terms of what can help to create the change. Yeah. You're listening to Youth and Loud. Stay connected by following us on Facebook and Twitter. Send us an email at youthandloud@gmail.com, and don't forget to check out our website, which is youthandloud.org, where you can listen to other episodes and find out more about the show. So you're saying, I guess, um, when it comes to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, issues surrounding homelessness, that it's important to get their perspective and to involve people who are Aboriginal or Torres Strait Island, you know, in the process of deciding what what needs they have, what policies to put in place and how to best support them. That's right. Yes, I think Aboriginal people are, are... Best place to resolve the issues of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So, yeah. uh, you know, part of at the centre of service design, uh, Aboriginal people need to be at the centre of that service design of how to approach homelessness with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, we're, we're only, what was it, 1967 was the referendum where Aboriginal people became citizens of this country. You know, that's not very long ago. Um, for many of our young people, that's their parents or grandparents' generation. Um, you know, home ownership isn't a big thing in Aboriginal community yet. Work isn't a big thing in Aboriginal community yet. We've got generations we're building towards that, but um, there's past wrongs that our government has recognised that they've been a part of. So, yes, part of reconciliation is having Aboriginal people at the table mm. to actually help to design future housing and future the, the, the future of housing options for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Yeah. You know, engaging with peak bodies from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander uh, community groups and uh, community control organisations. Uh, you know, there's a lot of answers there. You may have touched on this um, a bit already, but what do you think are the main ways that uh, young people who are homeless or at risk of homelessness uh, need to be supported? So I think if someone's experiencing homelessness, then something's gone terribly wrong for that young person. You know, so the support networks that they've trusted have fallen away at some point. And for young people in um, 
uh, you know, in child protection, that means that a distrust in the government organisations that are there to support them. For a, for a young person that comes from a family, that means distrust in the parents or, or the carers of that person. So, you know, when you've lost trust in the, in the main person that's supposed to have care for you, it's very hard to trust anyone else. So it's our role, I think, to develop trust and develop relationships with young people that, are, that have experienced homelessness. Like, you know, that's, that's a fundamental uh, you know, it's a responsibility for us. Uh, so, uh, sorry, it's a it's a responsibility yeah. for us to uh, really provide safe spaces for young people to engage to to build trust. You know, I can't expect trust. I, I, I need to build that with a young person. Mm. I remember a young person ten years ago came to me and said, "Why should I trust you?" And I'm like, "You should, but let me prove to you that you can." Mm. You know, and, and I think that's kind of Something we often forget is that, you know, when someone's experiencing, when a young person's experiencing homelessness, that's a traumatic experience. And, and mm. you know, every young person I've ever met is at this fork in the road where they can go that way or they can go that way, you know. And, and I think it's our role, all of our role, collective role, way to support young people towards giving them options towards a more positive pathway. And, you know, like, and a pathway towards independence. Yeah, safety is, is the start of everything, right? Like for someone to feel safe, mm. someone to feel a space where they can feel safe to talk about what the problems are. Um, you know, like, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I guess I had a young man who was living with his mum and, you know, he kind of was pushing the envelope at a young age, like 14, 15, 16, and there was a line that he crossed at age 16 where his mum just couldn't have him at home anymore for the sake of his little sister and, you know, with the choices he was making. And he found himself uh, staying with an auntie for a couple of days and then he found himself in the child protection system. And he describes that as no one really ever explained to him what was going on. His anxiety levels went through the roof and his mental health deteriorated mm. and you know that kind of uh, started a bit of a slippery slope uh, started a slippery slope engaging with uh, uh, young people through uh, that, that are having similar experiences to him and then them rebelling and making poor choices you know they're, they're kind of formative years of our life 15 16 17 where we're kind of growing and uh, you know that that personal growth was interrupted for this young man. You know, you can understand the reasons why his mother made the choices she made. You can understand the reasons why he was in the situation that he was in, but it shouldn't have taken for him to be 18, 19, 20 to actually get to a point of managing those issues. He now is reconnected with his mum and has a good relationship with her. He's working, he's doing all the positive things. You know, he's still managing his mental health issues. There's still impacts from that. Um, but, you know, that, that's, that's kind of an example, I guess, that I'll give that for a 15, 16-year-old, that experience of going into the child protection system is very scary. And for this young man, he describes it as being something that he just felt uninformed for about three years. He didn't know why his mum didn't want him anymore. He didn't know 
where he was going to stay the next day, where he was moving to, why he was being moved from this property to that. You know, and he was effectively a ward of the state till 18, and then as an 18-year-old having to make his own choices. Luckily, he landed in one of our programs and started that pathway towards positive things. But, um, you know, that, that's kind of, I think, um, how, how easily it can happen. You know, I think about my own experiences, you know, like we all rebel when we're young, mm. don't we? Like I rebel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't rebel when you're young, you're going to rebel when you're older anyway. So mm-hmm. um, it has to happen at some point. Mm. But, um, you know, we all have, we're all learning our way and we're all finding our feet terms of growing up and uh, you know it's just kind of recognizing that young young people they especially in those formative years those teenage years we definitely need to have supports and guidance and people around us that can help point us towards the things that we want chronic homelessness in this country that's people that are experiencing continued homelessness is a major cost to our country like you know someone that's experiencing chronic homelessness that has interventions with hospitals, ambulances, police, uh, you name it, can cost upward of $100,000 a year to our system. That's mm. one individual. I mean, why don't you just give them $100,000? I'm sure that will probably sort them out a little bit differently. <laughs> you know, but, um, but you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just like we don't have to have the, the problems that we have, like, with homelessness. There's ways that we can kind of resolve these issues, mm. and I think that it's about a national conversation and stuff like yeah. Is there anything else that you want to, to say or is there anything else that you want to um, comment on before we finish today, Troy? Look, I think for me, uh, the answer is always yes. Um, but, um, yeah, um, yeah, just thank you, Peter, for giving me the opportunity to speak about uh, what we do and uh, you know, about some of the issues that young people are experiencing. You know, I think... The, the main take-home to me is like, you know, we just kind of recognise that we are in, we're all in a society, we're all in a community together, you know, like, and uh, it's important to kind of notice that it, it should be a judgement on us as a country when we have homelessness in such an affluent country. It should be a judgement on us as a country when some people are scraping and and struggling to survive and I know we're in this COVID period at the moment and it certainly tightens up the piggy banks and everyone feels a bit more protective of themselves but ultimately at the end of the day we're only as good as the person experiencing the most disadvantage in this country mm. like that's that's my view and I think that's something that we just need to really think a little bit more about like as as individuals like you know put a little bit more care into uh, one another, you know, the, it seems that we've gone a little bit of a different direction in this country and there's a lot of blaming and that kind of stuff, but blaming doesn't solve any problems. Like, actually addressing the problems solves the problems. Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, listening to recommendations, listening to young people's experiences is what's going to solve our problems. So, yeah. you know, I, I'll leave it with that thought. I mm-hmm. think it's just kind of... Uh, it's an important one for me. I've just had six weeks off and uh, mm. come back and started listening to media again and just went, oh my goodness, <laughs> everyone just needs to calm down. Yeah. Um, you know, do more, talk less, like, you know, mm. like, as my grandfather used to say. I, I'd recommend if anyone has uh, a chance to look at, you know, Charter Lane and look at Synergy, look at what those programs are, uh, look at what we do, 
uh, read the Stay Home report from Mission Australia and our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander report. The recommendations are appropriate and we're not asking to change the world. We're asking to just uh, lift the issues so everyone can understand what impacts a person to be experiencing homelessness, especially young person. Yeah. So in relation to what you're saying, how can the Australian community best show support to youth who are homeless or at risk of homelessness? Yeah, I think, you know, there's plenty of opportunities there for us all to get involved. Um, you know, approach your local council, approach local uh, community services organisations. If you're worried about that, you know, give money to charitable organisations. Mm. Um, but, you know, approaching organisations for food relief, you know, it's, it's a beautiful experience uh, going out on a Friday or a Saturday night and uh, feeding the homeless. You know, like it's actually a very rewarding experience, a very eye-opening experience. Uh, volunteering, you know, getting involved, petitioning your local council, petitioning your local uh, state governments, your federal governments to, uh, to, to push through to changes. You know, this is uh, how we enact change. Like, uh, you know, if, if enough voices get out there, then people listen. Uh, it's as simple as that. Um, mm. You know, like every, every change that's ever happened has happened because of people, not because of governments. You know, government's just the one that passed the law, you know, but, uh, you know, that's, and, and that's their job to serve us as people. So mm. I would say for any young person listening, you know, get involved, you know, uh, write a letter to your local MP, uh, volunteer, you know, support organisations and read up, you know, play, have a look at, have a look at Charter Lane, have a look at Synergy, have a look at these reports. You know, they're all things that will help to open your minds up to uh, what uh, what can be done. Hmm. That brings us to an end of this episode of Youth and Loud. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay connected, or send us an email at youthandloud@gmail.com. Also, check out our website, which is youthandloud.org, where you can listen to other episodes and find out more about the show.